We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Welcome to the BCP Podcast. I am James, Black Sword of Patriot, BCP. Let's just continue from where we left off yesterday. If you didn't see yesterday's episode or you didn't listen to the podcast to launch the conversation, I played what Catherine Herridge talked about in predicting a Black Swan event in 2024. Let's, uh, let's listen to that again. Well, mine's a little dark. I just feel a lot of concern that 2024 may be the year of a black swan event. This is a national security event with high impact that's very hard to predict. Um, there are a number of cons uh, concerns that I have that factor into that. Not only this uh, sort of enduring heightened threat level that we're facing, uh, the wars in Israel, also Ukraine. And we're so divided in this country in ways that we haven't seen before. And I think that just creates fertile ground for our adversaries like North Korea, China, and Iran. And that's what uh, concerns me most. Uh, yes, a black swan event. Now, we defined it yesterday, and we used a definition that Catherine Herridge had uh, used. This is a national security event with high impact that's very hard to predict. Now, we have the greatest community in the BCP podcast, the BCP family, whether it's on bcpextras.com, which is Patreon, or therealbcp.com, which is Locals, or BCP Podcast, where you can comment on Spotify. And one of my brothers that I truly love and appreciate uh, for being active in our community is in America We Trust. At America We Trust, over on Locals, gave us the link to the Britannica the Britannica definition of a black swan event in which I said thank you. And it is very, very fitting, very, very fitting this Britannica definition of a black swan event. Black swan event, high impact event that is difficult to predict under normal circumstances, but that in retrospect appears to have been inevitable. A black swan event is unexpected and therefore difficult to prepare for, but is often rationalized with the benefit of hindsight as having been unavoidable. Well, high impact event for sure. That's exactly what uh, uh, was being said here by Catherine Herrich. Difficult to predict under normal circumstances because we have what's called a normalcy bias. A normalcy bias. I remember, I don't know, 10 years ago maybe, listening to Glenn Beck, uh, his radio program, On the Way to Work, and he was talking about how Obama and the Marxists were, you know, really destroying uh, America and, um, you know, we had to get him out and, and, and not uh, reelect him in 2012. And he talked about how a lot of people just do not see the destruction that Obama and the Marxists were doing because they have a normalcy bias. 
they are looking at things under normal circumstances. And, you know, and I'm equating that to a normalcy bias where people just can't see what's happening because it's so out of the ordinary. It's not normal. But in retrospect, appears to be inevitable. And that's what I've been talking about yesterday. A black swan event's going to happen. It's inevitable. I don't know if it's going to be a dirty bomb. I don't know if it's going to be a cyber attack on our power grid or communication systems. I don't know if it's going to be an EMP. I don't know if it's going to be a new sickness, a new virus. If it's going to be a a, a whole bunch of coordinated uh, jihadist attacks. Coordinated meaning done by, uh, funded by Iran and jihadists, but of course overseen by uh, deep state elements of the CIA and or the FBI, where they turn a blind eye and allow these people to do it. I don't know what it's going to be. But in retrospect, when we look back at it, it's, it's going to have, we're going to say, yeah, it was inevitable that this happened. It was an, an inevitable. And uh, in hindsight, we're going to say, yeah, it was unavoidable. Now, what are the, what are, the, what are one, what is, because it's singular, what is one of the things that is happening right now that is going to make a black swan event uh, in retrospect appear inevitable or unavoidable? That would have to be our southern porous border, where people are coming in through our southern border uh, unvetted. Now, let's look at, could it be a sickness? Maybe it won't be like, uh, maybe it won't be a COVID. Maybe it won't be a, a cold or flu type of virus. But maybe, just maybe, it could be something that's been eradicated. Check this out. Breaking news, the tropical disease Leishmaniasis has been found in human children in Texas. The disease is spread by a sand fly and most commonly found in Iraq, Somalia, Sudan, and Yemen. The disease is fatal if not treated and can cause black fever and boils on the skin. For now, it's only been found in a few children, but doctors are watching to see if it spreads. Why is our southern border still wide open? It's still wide open because this is all by design. It's all by design that these, these things happen. NPR, last month. A tropical disease carried by sand flies is confirmed in a new country, the United States of America. NPR. So it talks about uh, how uh, uh, several years ago there was a boy, he contracted the disease, and they're trying to figure out where it came from, how he got it. The World Health Organization had said that this uh, cutaneous leishmaniasis was a neglected tropical disease that hit 600,000 to a million people. Everywhere, but not in Texas, but now it's in Texas. So they published their results in a report and they found that the thing is here and they couldn't figure out where it came from. And so once again, this is an NPR report. So uh, the conclusion that they drew is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, You would say, oh, I don't know, maybe it's a porous open border. No, but the uh, NPR in this article from last month said, the CDC has not yet published any results, but the team released its preliminary findings to get the word out sooner, particularly to clinicians. Research projections suggest that the sandfly vector, which is prevalent throughout the southern U.S. over the next number of decades, is likely to be able to move further north with climate change. That's right. These new freaking diseases, not because of Biden's open border by design, Clower Piven's uh, plot to overwhelm America with illegal aliens and sicknesses and everything to usher in a dystopian Marxist 
regime even worse than this third term of Barack Hussein Obama that we're living through. No, it came because of, drumroll please, I already said it, climate change. Climate change. Climate models estimate that there are some 12 people in the U.S. who could be locally exposed to this disease, a number projected to be more than double over the next 60 years because of climate change bringing the tropical disease stateside. They wrote that with a straight face, I'm assuming. I couldn't see their faces when they wrote it. But that's not it, folks. Uh, Gateway Pundit today, leprosy, polio, malaria, tuberculosis, measles, and massive unscreened illegal immigration. Republishing a story from uh, Real Clear uh, Wire. Uh, Successful health campaigns and medical advances have enabled the United States to conquer a range of disfiguring and damaging diseases. Recently, however, some of these forgotten but still formidable infectious diseases have begun to reappear in the United States. For two years running... Or in other words, since the porous border of the O'Biden administration, polio has been detected in some New York water samples, and this fall, leprosy reemerged in Florida, 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 where cases of malaria have also been recorded. Uh, polio, which paralyzed thousands of Americans annually, was wiped out by widespread vaccinations. Uh, but we have seen it in uh, a global campaign eradicated smallpox and consumption, tuberculosis. But we're starting to see all these things creep up again. Health officials say they're not sure why these and other infectious diseases are, resurfer- are resurfacing. They have no idea why and how could these eradicated diseases be resurfacing. I mean, we require everyone to be vaccinated in the United States, to go to school, to go to work. What could it possibly be? I mean, to to immigrate to the United States, you have to have your vaccinations. Oh, that's if you do it legally. But if you walk in through the border, we don't give a damn. We just give you a ticket and a notice appear in 2031. Where do you want to go? And we don't care what diseases you have. And the ridiculousness of this right here where it says health officials say they're not sure why these and other infectious diseases are resurfacing. One distinct possibility which officials are loath to discuss is that millions of migrants who have crossed into the country in recent years could be bringing the scourges with them since many are from countries where such diseases persist and vaccination programs are not robust. The recent polio and leprosy cases are almost certainly imports to the U.S., says one doctor. And the Biden administration, an aggressive promoter of often mandatory vaccinations last time, is now offering little public comment on the connection between the diseases and the porous borders with which its immigration policy has been widely identified. Neither the CDC nor the Department of Homeland Security would discuss the issue with real clear investigations. Oh, but, but we have the answer from NPR already, folks. Climate change. Climate change is the culprit. It's right there. Climate change is bringing the tropical diseases stateside. Okay. All right. So maybe it will be a disease. Maybe it'll be a sickness that gets us. That is not a flu. Just could be one of these eradicated ones, a new, more deadly version of these diseases. I mean, it'd be kind of hard to fight back against the deep state and another stolen election if you got leprosy. Just saying, or some other infectious disease, and they keep everyone quarantined again. 
And this time, unlike the other flu, think about this. Unlike the flu or the COVID, where you're like, I don't have a good chance of getting it. I'm not sick. Don't quarantine me. Um, I think a lot more people would probably want to stay home if they think they could get leprosy. Just saying. Now, one thing I was covering a lot on YouTube last year was, uh, and I haven't really been on top of it, are all these uh, attacks on our food supply. Could it be some kind of hit on our food supply? We know that the uh, we know the globalists are going after our food. Here we have yesterday, post millennial, the World Health Organization Tedros about how food and our system for food is harming the health of people and the planet. Food is harming people. I kid you not. Check this out. Our food systems are harming the health of people and planet. That's right. Uh, we'll have to forgive Tedros. Uh, he doesn't speak, he doesn't pronounce English very well. But he's saying that our food systems are harming the health of people and planet. That's right. Food is bad for people. Food is bad for people. Look, I think it's ironic. Some people disagree with me. I've, I've, I've said, I've made this observation to people of the leftist persuasion and they never see the humor and irony of it like I do. The fact that obesity is one of the problems that poor people in developed countries have to deal with. When in the history of the world has obesity, having too much to eat or eating too much of the wrong thing been a problem for the poor people of the world? Usually it's been malnutrition from not eating enough and starvation. Okay, back to, I can barely pronounce English, Tedros. Food systems contribute to over 30% of greenhouse gas emissions and account for almost one-third of the global burden of disease. Disease is a disease for those listening on the podcast and can't uh, read the transcript I have up on the screen. Transforming food systems is therefore essential by shifting towards healthier, diversified, and more plant-based diets. Forget no soup for you, the soup Nazi, as seen on the Seinfeld show. This is no meat for you. Now, the elitists, they'll continue to eat their meat and do their sacrifices and their adrenochrome or whatever, whatever it is that they do, but they won't be limited by this. But you will eat bugs and you'll have a plant-based diet and you will be happy about it. You know, because... The, the environment as they continue to fly their private jets into these conferences to protect the environment. If food systems delivered healthy diets for all, we could save 8 million lives per year. WHO is committed to supporting countries to develop and implement policies to improve diets and fight climate change. I'm therefore very pleased that over 130 countries have signed the COP28 UAE Declaration on Climate and Health. Together, we can protect and promote the health of both people and planet. I thank you. The hell of these people and planet. It probably was health, but I'll go with what it sounded like to him. The hell with these people. Uh, are, okay, I'm a Christian and I do not believe in the theory of evolution that we come from monkeys. 
But supposedly, aren't these the people that follow the science of evolution? Why do we have incisors? Why do we have molars? Why is our physiology dependent on things like iron and things that we get from eating meat? Why do we have teeth that are made to grind and shred meat? I guess evolution is only convenient, uh, is only used when convenient. And I guess it's inconvenient that we have, by their standards, evolved to be meat eaters. We are carnivorous by our nature. Or God made us that way. Either way, it sure seems like we shouldn't have... Now, and I know some of you are vegan or vegetarian. But follow the science. We have a digestive system. We have a, a, a physiology as mammals that put us in the food chain where we eat other animals. I'm just saying, you know, science and stuff. <laughs> Appreciate you being here, folks. I'm fired up. I am fired up. All right. Let's go back to open porous borders and immigration. A peaceful Christmas day turned grim at Grand Central Terminal when two tourists, girls aged 14 and 16 from South America, were unexpectedly stabbed while eating. The assailant, 36-year-old Stephen Hutcherson, made racially charged threats before launching the attack. The attack took place 11.25 a.m. in the dining court concourse of Grand Central Terminal while the girls, girls were dining with their parents. They were from South America, but they must have been white because following an altercation with the staff of uh, Tartiffinery, who told him he could not sit in the restaurant's area, Hutcherson redirected his rage toward the, the young tourists. Reportedly, Hutcherson has claimed, I want all the white people dead. I want to sit, I, I want to sit next to the crackers before he advanced toward the victims with a knife. Authorities responded immediately, less than a minute following the stabbings. But in that time, uh, he was able to stab the 16-year-old in her back and slightly injuring her lung while the 14-year-old was stabbed in the thigh. The suspect has a history of arrest with previous charges involving weapons possession and resisting arrest. But he's out there because, you know, leftist DAs, New York, they're too busy going after President Trump but letting actual criminals out in the street. Is this guy mentally ill? Sounds like it. Uh, it says that uh, uh, it says in one of these articles that uh, he had been uh, he had been known to have uh, mental health issues or something like that. But we we have a border a, a, a border uh, that's porous with people that hate America, death to America. We have people in America that hate America, uh, siding with uh, Hamas, and we have this cons- this absolute consistent hate of white people. These South Americans were stabbed. Uh, they were white. Maybe they're from Chile or Argentina. That sucks. That sucks to be on vacation in America and have this happen to you. Speaking of New York, the, time, the New York Times provided an international platform to Hamas barbarians with op-ed on Christmas Eve. On Sunday, the New York Times ran an op-ed uh, by Yahya Saraj. He's the Gaza City mayor. He contempt Israel for causing the deaths of more than 20,000 people. That's why the New York Times gave uh, audience and a platform to a, to a jihadist. Now, other people 
have uh, have been banned from being uh, on the New York Times because of you know Hitleresque ideas. But an actual person who believes in the eradication of Jews, he's okay to have a, a New York Times op-ed. And the hate of these people continues. Let's go to Nigeria really quick. Christmas massacre in Nigeria. Uh, 140 and climbing is a death toll in a series of coordinated attacks by jihadi forces and plateau in Nigeria. They're killing Christians. They're killing Christian children. And these elements are here because of our open, porous border. Well, we can see what they've been up to. Let's go uh, to another Western country, Germany. German police are increasing security at Cologne Cathedral after learning that extremist Muslims may be planning an Islamic terror attack. They didn't do it during Christmas, but maybe they're out to do it during New Year's. Austrian authorities arrested four believed to be linked to a jihadist cell. Islamist planned attack on Cologne Cathedral. 600 years to build, but these jihadists, they don't care about history. Marxists don't care about history. Look at all the statues are taken down now. These elements are here because of our porous border, folks. A black swan event, we'll look at it and say, man, it was inevitable. It was totally right before us. We should have seen it coming. All right, let me switch gears. Let's talk about cultural Marxism. Let's talk about the crazy narratives and the crazy woke ideology. You may have seen this one already. I was gonna I was gonna show it to you yesterday. This is viral. A Delta employee fed up with the pronoun police who threatens to kick a man out of LaGuardia Airport. I guess we're still in New York. Who whined about being misgendered. You want to take it personal. What about when an adult employee misgenders you I'm intentionally? So sorry, while, while, she's talk, while he's talking, you're talking. You just misgendered me again. Okay. Multiple times. Gotcha. Both of you have. Sorry. Wasn't intentional, but if you yeah. want to take it personal, that's also. Well, okay. she did do it intentionally twice. Okay. I talking did not to do it intentionally. You said she and then you said he. You're being condescending, and if you want to continue, Ooh. I have Port Authority escort you out the building right this moment if you want to play that game with me. Okay. Would you like to continue three days before Christmas? I really don't mind. I'm good. I'll just put this on. What about when adult employee misgenders you so intentionally? She- do, you, do, you, do you want me to, three days before Christmas, do you want me to, t- t- to kick your ass out of the airport? They got real quiet real quick. That's what it is. Stop putting up with this BS people stop putting up with it why is people afraid of of soy boys look as a Christian I feel for these people I honestly believe some of these people really are confused uh, who am I to say that there aren't people that feel trapped in the opposite body it's called uh, a dysphoria it's a mental illness it's a real thing why are we bending to mental illness? Good on this Delta employee for not putting up with that crap. All right. This was a surprise um, Christmas Eve election surprise of Tucker Carlson. Uh, when I, when I, uh, when I had uh, dinner with my parents, my dad goes, did you see what Tucker Carlson had on his show? He told me he had Kevin Spacey on, 
but not Kevin Spacey. He had Kevin Spacey on playing the character of Frank Underwood from his show. Now, I'm not really going to play this for you. Uh, I, I, I think this is in bad taste from Tucker Carlson. You, you know, you, you can't bat a, hundred, a thousand. I, I wouldn't have him on. But then Tucker Carlson's like, I'm going to have anybody on. I, I wouldn't have done it if I were Tucker Carlson. A rapist and a pedophile who, when he gets busted, goes, oh, I'm gay. I'm gay. That That's why I, I, I like little boys. But what I want to bring your attention to is this. Did you see the pattern on the pillow here? It looks innocent enough. But for those of us that know, we know what that reminds us of. The FBI had released symbols which represent sexual preference for children. And it's always a big something inside of a little something. A little triangle inside of a big triangle. A little circle inside of a big circle. A little heart outside of a big heart. And that pattern repeating itself in many forms. And that's that pattern repeating itself in many forms. And that's what we have here. You know, or it it sure seems reminiscent of it. And while we're talking about pedos, I believe one of the biggest pedos is the fake president, Joe Biden, who's occupying the Oval Office. And we've got uh, some news that kind of deals with that, if you will. And it is a loss also to the First Amendment. Dangerous President James O'Keefe, formerly of Project Veritas, now of OMG, the O'Keefe Media Group. Federal judge rejects First Amendment argument in Ashley Biden diary case. O'Keefe Veritas couldn't claim it was protecting the identity of confidential source from disclosure after two individuals publicly pleaded guilty developing. So what is this about, folks? AP, First Amendment claims struck down in Project Veritas case focused on diary of Biden's daughter. Criminal prosecutors, man, we're still in New York, aren't we? Like we can't get, we can't get escape the news from the hellhole that is New York. And I say that from a person who has a love-hate relationship with New York. I was born in New York City, lived there the first half of my childhood. I go back once or twice a year, and I love it every single time I go back. But now I go back as a tourist, visit my family, do a few tourist things, and come right back home and take a shower. Criminal prosecutors may soon get to see over 900 documents pertaining to the alleged theft of a diary belonging to President Joe Biden's daughter after a judge rejected the conservative group Project Veritas's First Amendment claim. Attorney, The attorney on behalf of the nonprofit said that attorneys are considering appealing last Thursday's ruling by U.S. District Judge Annalisa Torres in Manhattan. In the written decision, the judge said the documents can be given to investigators by January 5th. The documents were produced from raids that were authorized in November 2021. Electronic devices were also seized from the residences of three members of Project Veritas, including two mobile phones from the home of James O'Keefe. Why did this whole thing happen? Because they published the contents of Ashley Biden's diary. This is all the weaponization of the alphabet agencies by the fake President Joe Biden. Last year, the two individuals who found Ashley Biden's diary at a halfway house pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit interstate transportation of stolen property. The guilty plea of Florida pair Robert Curlander, 49, and Amy Harris, 41, were used to turn the screws on James O'Keefe. 
Harris found Ashley Biden's diary at a halfway house in Palm Beach in 2020 and sold it to Project Veritas for $40,000. Ashley Biden, Joe Biden's youngest daughter, left her diary under a mattress at the Palm Beach rehab home. Ugh, that picture just gives me the willies. In a January 2019 entry, for those of you listening to the uh, podcast, it's the picture. I'll probably use it as the, uh, or put it in the thumbnail to today's episode. But it's that icky picture of Joseph Biden googling young Ashley. I, I don't I don't know in what world you could look at that picture and it would seem innocent. It, it just it maybe it maybe it's just knowing. I mean, I guess if he was an innocent guy, he's just like, oh, I'm looking at my daughter. And of course, people on the left will say it's photoshopped. Man. People are sick. These people are sick. In a January 2019 entry, Ashley Biden recalled how she used to shower with her father, Joe Biden, and suggested it may have been contributed to a sex addiction. That's right. The diary describes Ashley and her father, Joe Biden, taking showers together at an inappropriate age. I have always been boy crazy, Ashley wrote, hypersexualized at a young age. I remember somewhat being sexualized with a family member. I remember having sex with friends at a young age. Showers with my dad, probably not appropriate, she wrote in a January 2019 entry. The reason why they went after James O'Keefe and Project Veritas is because they don't want you to know that Ashley Biden had sex with friends at a very young age, took showers with her dad that was not appropriate, that she was boy crazy and hypersexualized at a young age by her dad, and that is why she's a sex addict. U.S. District Judge Annalisa Torres and Obama appointee said Project uh, Veritas' First Amendment claims were inconsistent with the Supreme Court precedent. This is a very dangerous precedent. The precedent is set. Do not go after the deep state. Do not go after the Bidens. <sighs> oh, and by the way, the, uh, o- uh, the Obama-produced Netflix cartoon Ada Twist Scientist shows children planning and attending a gay wedding. Former President Barack Obama and former first spouse, Mikhail, Michelle, Michael, Obama, or whatever you may be, whatever, whatever you may believe to be the actual gender of Barack's spouse, are being slammed on social media for producing a Netflix cartoon for preschoolers that featured young children attending a gay wedding. Indoctrination, indoctrination, indoctrination. Ready to we help with anything? Aww. I do. I definitely do. I now pronounce you husband and husband. You may kiss the groom. All right. Didn't want to show that to you, but hey, that's what children are now watching. On Netflix, on children's shows. All right, I got about eight or nine more tabs and stories here uh, curated from today and yesterday. So make sure that you come back tomorrow for the next episode. This is James, BCP. This is the BCP podcast. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Big hug to all of y'all. I'll be back. Oh, yeah. And still, let me emphatically tell you Joe Biden's a fake president. And the COVID-19 vaccine is actually a bioweapon.
We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics.